As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low-cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Investment advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. Thanks, as always, to the Norden Group. Uh, Dan and I are, uh, are both here. I didn't even race yesterday, and I'm tired from yesterday. Yesterday was a big, long day. We had uh, lots of people did NICA, lots of people did point-to-point. It was shocked. I'm always shocked how many youth racers do and get through point-to-point. Um, I, I didn't get to get to sleep till like, midnight last night, and as soon as my head hit the pillow, I was out, and I didn't even race. So um, how are you feeling, Dan? Well... Yeah, that's kind of a long story. I feel pretty good though, but okay. yeah, it was an interesting day for me. Um, but it was, a, it's just a super fun race, super fun experience. And yeah, we had a lot of Maybird riders out there. It was tons um, of Maybird riders out there. Yeah. For me, it was an interesting day because like, I felt really good. My nutrition was great. I, I was really loaded up. Um, I, I felt really good, all, but about halfway through the race, my knee started to hurt really bad. Which Because you don't usually get knee pain. I don't ever get <clears throat> knee pain on the bike. I sometimes get a little bit knee, knee pain when I'm driving a car. Yeah. And um, I've been kind of trying to deal with that. But about halfway through the race, I got just debilitating knee pain in one knee. And I kind of pushed through. I took some Advil. The Advil made it because I thought about dropping out because it was just I could not put any pressure on the pedals. It was that painful, and I got I took some Advil and I felt it made it possible to finish up. And today I can't even walk. So yeah, Dan was limping down the stairs. Yeah, pretty bad. Which is new. I'm going to go get it checked out. Try to get to the bottom of that because I can't. I'm worried I'm going to have to be off the bike for a little while, which is just terrifying me. I get I get knee pain, and it's it's one of those things where it's like you can't. I mean, like, good for you for pushing through yesterday, but like long term, you can't oh, really I just think keep... I did. If it was a normal ride, I wouldn't have pushed through. Yeah, because like I think I've done. Like my knee's so swollen, I can't even bend it right now. But yeah. not good stuff. But yeah, I'm gonna get that checked out. But man, that was uh, yeah. It, the the conditions were just beautiful, perfect, best conditions I've personally seen at point to point. Yeah, it was just an awesome, beautiful day. Yeah. We, and um lots of shout outs here i hope we can cover all of oh them. i don't think we can cover like we had so many writers out there and, and they all did awesome but there's one i want to shout out in particular and that's todd miller oh yeah yeah um for those of you that don't know todd is his recently was battling um esophageal cancer and had to have um i guess he's had like his it's, it was his stomach removed or something. And and anyway, he, he can only eat like a little bit of food at a time. Which uh, is not an advantage at point-to-point. No, that would make point-to-point yeah. very difficult. You yeah. have to, 
Um, but he raced point to point. He's been training for it and just had a great time, did awesome, and was just super happy when he finished. And Todd's just one of my heroes. Just Oh, yeah. I mean, is there a nicer guy out there? I don't know. He's like just... somebody who has every advantage physically is going to have a hard time getting through point to point. Somebody who's like battling cancer and has other things like that getting through point to point is legendary yeah absolutely legendary yeah so just so proud of the guy yeah. awesome work todd another shout out we have to make is the youngest writer who completed point to point this year uh was a favorite one and, and and one that you spent some time with yesterday huh yeah i rode the first section <clears throat> with her and um she kind of rode the second section mostly we should probably herself. say who she is oh nina martin there you go yeah, i was trying was, to line you up for that she but. was the youngest writer out there by him like if she would have been born a month later, she couldn't have participated this year. So yeah, she was about, she was probably the youngest writer out there. Um, oh yeah. Probably one of the youngest writers to ever do it. Yeah. And then she wrote the last <laughs> section with her dad and Art O'Connor and, yep. um, but she had a fantastic time. She just seemed like she was strong and having fun the whole time. Yeah. I think she liked, uh, endurance racing more than <laughs> some people country. like it more, think, man. Yeah. It's a different kind of suffering, but you know, like, um, I, I should also shout out, uh, Andrew, I rode the last third with Andrew, uh, getting through his first point to point coming in. He said with as he's, he said, he didn't have as much preparation as he would have yeah, liked. Cause Andrew wasn't super well trained. He's getting in better shape since he's changed jobs that yeah. makes it so he has more time to ride and stuff. You know, his bike shop job basically made it so you yeah, can't we, ride your bike as coaches will never tell you to go yeah, get a bike don't, shop don't job. get bike shop jobs. <laughs> if, they will, unless you don't care about your fitness. I was going to say, try, try other things first. Um, but Andrew, when I joined him at point at a uh, PCMR, he said it was really hurt and wasn't having a good time. Kind of crawled up Armstrong, got to the aid station at the colony, had a Red Bull, and was absolutely on fire after that. He kept saying, he's like, that Red Bull saved me. Like, we got, we got across from the colony to the top of UOP in amazing time. And then Andrew and I both set all PRs going down uh, UOP. Like, he was descending so fast. Like, I was pretty fresh. And he'd been on the bike for, you know, like since 7 a.m. And he, I was doing everything I could to hold his wheel on that descent. So got a shout out, Andrew. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to point out there about, not just point to point about any race, is, well, so when Andrew was like, he, he told me that when he was climbing um, stiff upper lip, Mm-hmm. He said it was just darker than dark. He could. He just thought there was no way he was going to be able to finish the race, and he was just feeling like garbage and and was done, you know. And yeah. And but then, like, you know, he on on the last section of the race, he started feeling awesome. Yep. And that's one thing about point to point or any race is just because you have a dark moment doesn't mean it's over. Yeah. I mean, you could have a dark moment one moment, and be feeling awesome later so and the reverse is true too like there'll be some days where you're feeling amazing and then all of a sudden think you're like just remember like no matter how you're feeling it could change and it probably will you know you're gonna have all kinds of different phases throughout a race and you don't want to like you know like be feeling really good and then as soon as you start feeling bad you panic you know if you're feeling bad you probably feel good again if you give yourself a second to you know kind of catch your breath especially in a long race like point to point just like the same it's the same advice as i'd give you during a cross country just stay calm do the right things and make sure you're fueling and everything. You know, I, I did have kind of have to poke Andrew and keep telling him like, no, you need to eat another gel. Like I actually went to the Seven Eleven and bought him a corn dog before he showed up at BCMR. And I, I made him eat that. And, 
got some other kind of. I don't know if I could eat a corn dog on point. You know, it's funny because I I got it because I was like that'd be funny to offer him one, and I offered it to him and he was like he's like no no I'm good. It would climb me up our He's like, can I have that corn dog please? Oh, you carried <laughs> like, it with you? Yeah, I carried it in my pocket. It was in a wrapper. Like I didn't have like a loose corn dog in my jersey, but I thought that would be funny. We were climbing it. I was like, it was like seventy five cents at the sev. Oh my gosh, that's like the okay. Just so you know, usually corn dogs aren't great ride food. No, but so. it was. I grabbed it. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. Like with a kind of ready, like, do you want a corn dog? And he turned to me like, you have a corn dog? I'm like, I do have a corn dog. He's like, no, I think I'm good. And then it was like 15 minutes later. He's like, can I have the corn dog? <laughs> like, I maybe would have ate the breading, but the fat would have like. I don't know, I don't man. Know. He got through. He beat <laughs> you, so you know, don't diss his corn dog. Ugh. I have to shout out to Xander, Xander Lyman, man. Put in an insane race. And I think Gabe, Gabe Norda too. Gabe Norda too. These like, guys, oh yeah. Like I was joking with with Xander. I'm like, you know, because Xander finished in about seven hours. Yeah. And Gabe finished in like six forty five or something or insane something. like that. So, yeah. yeah. I'm like, and I was just joking with Xander. I'm like, you know, if you were out there as long as I was, you couldn't have pushed that hard. Oh yeah. Which I mean, Xander took the easy way out. I mean, only yeah, doing just, seven hours. Like, yeah, like, come on, man. A real man would take it. Would be out there for ten hours. I'm like, just saying it's kind of soft, right? <laughs> like you know. But maybe yeah. Xander will harden up in a few years and try it the proper way and go slow, huh? Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. Those guys have that kind of fitness and can. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and Gabe too is just you know it's actually crazy because Gabe posted on his story. I saw he was like he was like here's a 45 second uh, pit stop and that's way too long. He's like 45 second pit stops are too long for point to point these days. Like those top guys are just yeah, really they, moving. They actually race it. The rest of us ride it. Yeah, you know it's just a big fun yeah. group ride. And you know I'm I'm just out there. I'm the most mediocre cyclist I know, and I'm just having so much. You know, even though my knee was like hurting so bad i could barely even push the pedals at points i still had so much fun it was just beautiful well, all the and, trails you're riding are so good yeah except you know? the, oh the funny thing is it was like overcast most of the day but i get to steps and all of a sudden the clouds parted and yep. the sun came out and cooked me all the way up steps which is just step sucks yeah not but, a good time but other than that it's it's a lot of fun so oh, yeah. it was a super fun day other shots uh, joe cochran um leaving on an LDS mission and uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, <laughs> you know, like went and knocked out, knocked out points, went really kill a ride from him. His yeah. first, you know, his, his first participation there as well. Um, uh, we had so many other folks there out there. Just so many, like lots of coaches were riding. Oh yeah. We saw Brady was out Brady's there. Out, yeah. For Brady, I bet that didn't even get him tired. Bo was out oh, there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Like we can't, we can't. So one everyone. thing I do want to point out is, um, yesterday, Joe, did mention that he's planning on doing it next I'm going to do it. Season. And I have this thing I do. Whenever I'm going to do something difficult or challenging, I always tell a friend or two that I'm going to do it. Do like an accountability thing? So if you don't do it, you kind of feel like... <clears throat> feel like a loser? You, yeah. So right yeah. now, Joe's telling a whole bunch of people... I'm telling way too many people. <laughs> that, I should go and redact this later. But yeah, but yeah I finally want to oh, do it. Oh, you're ready, Joe. Because the thing is, it's like there's some people that show up to point to point and they're really fit and ready and can do it there's other people that just kind of do it they just yeah power through it and well it, i've like long I rides think you're ready long rides have always been my weakness like I've, I've always really struggled over like three hours so next season i want to i think i want to do you know finally get out and, and and do um true grit for the first time get point to point done for the first time you know like because i did some cross-country racing this season and i had a good time but i was like you know this is kind of 
I, th- I, th- I think it, it's not as engaging as thinking about trying that new big thing. So yeah. I think I'm going to try to try to do that. So you know, and the endurance races are fun because, you know, they're just, it's just paced differently. It's a little more yeah. chill and, and you can kind of, I, I don't know. I just think it's just kind of like fun. You can kind of relax a little more and enjoy it. Well, it's and, a different kind of suffering, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's like the, the tiredness over the pain more, you know, cause like doing a cross country race or a cyclocross race is this like is kind just of is intense pain, pain, intense pain. This is kind of more like dull slow pain. burning, dull pain. I don't think so. we're selling either very well. No, nah, no, it's fine. But yeah, we've, we can, we've, we can, we can move on from my accountability. Don't worry. Everyone knows now. So, so. And um, there were Nike races yesterday also. I didn't attend yes. one. Yeah. Um, but I thought about you guys the whole time I was out riding and, um, I don't know if that makes people feel better or worse, but <laughs> Uh, we had, and I should say, we had a race in Manaway, Utah. I got lots of corrections on my my pronunciation of Mantua. Uh, it is Manaway. It is Manaway. So yeah. to, the, to the to the good people of Manaway, Utah, I apologize. Uh, Manaway, um, really good results from lots of Maybird riders. Kind of, Dan's kind of telling me it's kind of the same cast of characters who are just throwing down again this week, huh? Yeah, basically. One thing I do want to say is, you know, if you guys are aware of some cool things that happen during the Nike races that we should shout out, please just shoot me a message and we'll we'll shout it out. Because we're not, like, aware of everything that goes on, obviously. You know, oh, yeah. And- I mean, this team's not getting any smaller. You know, it's 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 hard to keep track of all the cool stories that happen. So, you know, uh, if, some, if something cool happens, let us know and we'll... Because we'll sh- we were kind of sitting here and it's like... We're aware of a lot of the cool things that happen, but it's not. I mean, there was a time when this team was like 15 people, and we could kind of be on top of the cool stuff. But well, I know Rocky Derek was was texting his Maybird group and pointing out that like four out of the five podiums in JVA girls were all from our Gold Girls, and then I guess um, <clears throat> Quinn and Zoe were first and second in Advanced Junior Devo, and they were also Gold. So we've got like a really good problem here. We've got so many fast girls. That, oh yeah. You know, can't keep track. And then we've got like, like Joe Reinhardt's in his, uh, in, in a leader's Jersey, Dane Cowan's in a leader's Jersey. Um, those are just ones I saw on Instagram, like sitting down to do this, you know, like lots of really yeah, cool. Lot, yeah. Lots of fun Nike results. And, um, I know that man away course was a tr- tricky course. It was really, yeah. Like short, steep climbs and really gradual long descents, which is um, like a rough combo. I think they rode the course backwards. I think they should yeah. have ridden it the other way. It would have been more fun, but probably so. one of those courses where you just have to pedal the whole entire time. You know, dirt crit. And I think um, the other division got a race at Snow Basin, which I Ooh, think is my favorite. Which is really good I stuff. Love Snow Basin, I so. loved it. Well. Snow Basin well, doesn't pay, play to my strengths, but it's an amazingly fun yeah, course. Yeah, a good result. Yeah, so fun Nike weekend. Um, yeah. Yeah, good job to everyone who raced. And and we want to leave. I was going to say, <clears throat> we're going to skip out on the quiz. The only world cycling news I have to say is that Sepkus is in the leader's jersey at the Welta, which is really cool to see an American up there, someone who deserves it very much. So we have to shout out GC Cuss. But other than that, um, we want to. I want to leave some time for Dan. We're kind of pressed for time today a little bit. Um, and Dan has a topic that's, um, so like deep, you could probably do a five part series on it. Um, but I'm going to do a little overview today of VO2 max, which is another, it's something you should, everyone should have heard of that, but I don't know that everyone will like 
have a really good understanding of what it is, you know, because I think I think most people hear VO2 max and they think, oh, that's when you ride really hard, which it's is kind of right, <laughs> which is kind of the essence of it. But but um, to jump into that a little more, what's because we, we usually on this podcast are extolling the virtues of low and slow, you know, like riding a lot of zone two and everything. Um, I'm interested to get your thoughts on the kind of higher intensity side of the spectrum. Yeah, and VO2 max, I think it's a term that is often used without understanding exactly what it is. And right. um, it's probably used incorrectly a lot. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, and there's probably better terms that we, like more accurate terms that we could use to describe <coughs> what we're, we're talking about when we use the term. Because it's a pretty max. precise term. VO2 max isn't like a, like zone two is kind of a broad you know, like we had Hayden Fonger ask a really good question, like there's low zone two and high zone two. Like VO2 max is, is a more set thing, right? Well, VO2 max, it's not a power that you ride at. It's actually a rate of oxygen. It's the maximum rate of oxygen you're able to utilize while you're exercising. But it's confusing because people will say, and not necessarily inaccurately, that they're riding at VO2 max in the same way they'd say I'm riding at zone two, right? Which I think is where some of the confusion comes. Yeah, and um, and you could ride at your VO2 max. Um, your VO2 max, and I'll, I'll kind of explain what that would mean if you're riding at your VO2 max, but um, it's, it's more of like a, a state that you would achieve when you're utilizing the maximum amount of oxygen that you can utilize. Right. Um, but a lot, a lot of times, like, people will say that, like, we'll talk about, like, power at VO2 max or something. Right. Which, isn't necessarily correct because that can depend on yeah. duration and so forth. But, um, but yeah, so, so VO two max is just a rate of oxygen that you're consuming. It's, it's like something your body's doing, right? Like zone two is a power range. VO two max is like a bodily process almost, right? No, zone two is also <laughs> deter- talks about something that your body's actually doing. That's okay. You know, just kind of as a review, um, zone two is your body's purely aerobic but you're utilizing fat as fuel and you're primarily using your slow twitch fibers in zone two. Got it. Um, when you're riding at your VO two max, you're still aerobic, but that is the maximum amount of, um, oxygen that your body is able to utilize during exercise. So it's like the limit of your aerobic capability, exactly, like beyond yeah. VO two max, you're, you're into anaerobic. Almost a better term for it is your aerobic capacity. Oh, okay. Yeah, your maximum aerobic capacity. Maximum and then, aerobic capacity. Yeah, beyond okay. that. We should call it that because that, I think, communicates what it is a It really does. Than... I think it's kind of a better term. Um, so, and, and let me just kind of illustrate sort of how it's measured because it's usually measured, you know, in a lab. You've got a mask on that's yep. measuring how much... And they oxygen. prick your ear. No, that's, that's lactate. Oh, okay. Look at me. I've been corrected twice in like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Got to watch it. Um, you know, so they, they measure it in a lab. They're, they're measuring kind of like the difference between the oxygen you're breathing in and what you're exhaling. And it, it'll, it'll kind of tell them how much oxygen that you're, you're using. And, and what they'll do is... As, as you're exercising and they're measuring that, they'll ramp up your intensity and measure how many liters of oxygen you're using per minute. And then they'll ramp up the intensity more and they'll notice an increase in the amount of oxygen you're using. You know, the, the and amount they just of, keep going until... And they just keep going 
And they go until you're, you're exhausted and you just can't do anymore. But what they're looking for is they're actually, you're going to reach a point where, they're, well, where they will increase the intensity. But the oxygen. But you're not using any more oxygen. You're using oh, the same amount of oxygen. And so when that plateaus like that, that means you're at your VO2 max. And, oh, but the interesting, okay. once you're at that plateau, they'll have you increase your intensity and you'll be able to increase your intensity. But the difference is, is beyond that point, you're starting to you're going anaerobic. You're right? starting to use some anaerobic contribution to to be able to produce power above that point where you plateau. So this so, is why when people say that like I have VO2 intervals today, I'm really scared. Like I've seen um, uh, like uh, some pros post that like uh oh VO2 interval day. Like that's why these are so hard because you're at the limit of your because aer- when you start going anaerobic, there's kind of a ticking clock on how long you can do that, right? Like this is is it almost like the hardest point to ride at is VO2 because you can do it for a while, but it hurts super, super bad. Is that why people are so afraid of VO2 intervals? Oh, and it's an extremely point, extremely difficult point to train at. Okay. Um, most people, when they claim they're doing VO2 max intervals, probably, probably actually aren't. aren't. Yeah. Um, but as this kind of illustrates, this is the reason it's important. Like, you know how like all the time I always tell people to like, you know, pace your intervals so that you're not um, you're not going super super hard at the first, and then kind of dying towards the end. Because if you're going above that point, you're really just using an anaerobic contribution, right? Um, so you're really not training your VO2 max if you go too hard over. You're you're also training some anaerobic component, which um, so pacing these type of intervals is super hard that you don't start out too hard. Okay. Yeah, because once you're once you're above your VO2 max or your um, aerobic capacity, that's when you start. There starts to be an anaerobic contribution, and when you're trying to train your VO2 max, you're trying to train your VO2 max, not your you know anaerobic right. intervals are it's their own thing. Their own thing. Yes. Got it. Combining them is kind of less effective. So okay. Um, but yeah, so so VO2 max, um, it's it's a condition that you kind of like it's not like a certain power that you hit and then all of a sudden you're at your VO2 max. It's more like once you're over, a, you know, basically once you're over your threshold, depending on how long you're at that intensity, you'll eventually hit your VO2 max. Oh, okay. So you could be riding at, you could get to your VO2 max maybe really quickly by going right to 300 Watts. But if you ride at 275 Watts for long enough, you'll get there. You could eventually get to, Okay. Yeah. And it's similar, you know, it's similar to like achieving your max heart rate. Okay. You You can achieve your max heart rate at different intensities depending on the amount of time. Yeah. Got it. And this is why like this is the, like zone two really is kind of more set on your, well, I guess that's not true either, huh? Because that could be like your zone two heart rate you could hit at different intensities technically, huh? Uh, I suppose so, yeah. I guess. Okay. I I was trying to make a good point and then I got (laughs) halfway through saying like, oh wait, that's a bad point. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so VO2 max, it, and this is called the slow component. It's, it's time dependent. Okay. Um, you know, say if you're riding 105% of your FTP, it'll take you a long time, a longer time, but eventually you could hit your VO2 max. If you're riding at 130% of your FTP, you'll hit your VO2 max in just a minute or two. Okay. But generally, like when people are hitting their VO2 max, that's generally going to be happening 
above threshold, right? Oh, it can only happen above threshold. Okay, really. so if you're yeah. riding below threshold, you're really not going to hit it. So 90% of your threshold, you're not really going to hit yeah. your VO2. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. And just as a reminder, the difference, your threshold is, when we say threshold, we're talking about kind of your maximum lactate steady state or FTP. or, mm-hmm. And that has more to do with the measurement of lact, like when you start producing more lactate, then you can utilize and, right. um, you know, you're using a higher percentage of fast twitch fibers and so forth. FTP power is the yeah. maximum average amount of power you can produce for an hour, right? Yeah. And we'll, we'll get back to that. We'll talk to that about that in a, in a little bit because they are, they're important to, you know, kind of keep both in mind at the same time. But, gotcha. Um, so, so VO2 max is, it's measured a couple different ways. One is the absolute, which is how many liters of oxygen you're consuming in a minute. And that number isn't super useful. Um, what's, what's used more commonly is the relative VO2 max, which is how many milliliters of oxygen you're using per minute per kilogram of body weight. Okay. So it takes your body weight in, into consideration and you know that usually gives people a number of like you know like if you hear someone say their vo2 max is like 55 or 60 or 30 or whatever you know that's where that number comes out that's how much um oxygen they're using per minute per kilogram of body weight got it it, vo2 max is one of those things that's almost like genetically defined right like don't they say like they tested this athlete and they discovered they had an incredibly high vo2 max right or is that you know, that's, that's well that. known. That is kind of a, a huge debate that comes up when you're when you're talking about VO2 max, because um, a lot of people will say that it's something that's not trainable. Because I've heard of, that before, that like your VO2 max is what it is. Right. And, and, and that's really I would say that's a myth. OK. And there's been some I mean, they've, they've tried in labs to like do do tests where they'll do some intervention and they'll have 12 guys on, on trainers and try to do this two month intervention and, and their VO two max doesn't increase. So people will say that, but sports science is kind of rough because you'd really need to do that in a perfectly controlled setting with like 10,000 guys or something for three years. Exactly. Where it's like 12 is, guys for two months. It's which like is, a, I think where the weakness in sports science comes is, up. Is, mean, it's really hard it's, to have actual great, science in sports science. It's huh? great for intervals and 30 by thirties and right. But, but this type of stuff. Yeah. But VO two max is very trainable. Um, like a normal person when they're off the couch and they're, and they're out of shape and whatever, you know, they could probably, once they start, if they start training, increase their VO2 max by maybe like 15 to 20%. That's not nothing. Yeah, that's that's huge. That's huge. Wow. It, okay. Um, unfortunately, it's one of those things that kind of takes a long time to train, but can detrain fairly quickly, unfortunately. Oh, I hate those. Um, but there is kind of a limit, to, you know, and that, so there is definitely a genetic limit to, to what your VO2 max can you can improve it too. Like I, I could start training all day long every day and I could never get to a 90, you know? Oh, okay. Just, yeah. But there's some people that do just genetically have, you know, a, a bigger VO two max potential. And that's one of those components of like, we talked about this before, like how much does genetics matter? Like maybe if you want to be Nino Schurter, Tade Pogacar, 
you've got to have that really high, I guess, threshold of where your VO2 max could go that you and I probably, if we did the same amount of training as them, that might limit us. But practically speaking, for most people, you can do a lot to improve, you know, your VO2 max, right? Yeah. Okay. So there's kind of truth in both, you know. And having, and this was going to, I was going to finish with this, but having a high VO2 max doesn't guarantee performance. Right. It's maybe potential, but it's, it's yeah. It's two potential. people can have different potential, but you, neither yeah. of you are probably ever going to reach what your full potential could be, right? Yeah. And, and, okay. You know, because because really, like your VO two max doesn't represent a sustainable power, right? You know, it's something you can only do for a few minutes, no matter who you are. So really, what's what's important and what's going to win races is how long your sustainable power is, which is your FTP or right. your MLSS. Right. That's what's really going to predict race performance. And obviously, so obviously your FTP can't be higher than your VO2 yeah, max. Yeah, definitely, so, right. So, you know, you, you really, when, you know, when you're training your, your FTP, you really kind of have to raise your VO2 max. To, to raise, be able to raise to, that, To raise right? your potential and so forth. But, okay. Um, but yeah, let's... and that's why we spend more time talking about that other stuff because that's what really predicts race performance. That's why this is kind of a, you know, like I said at the beginning, like this is less of what we're focused on because this is, I mean, it's not nothing, but it is probably more marginal than like improving, you know, what you're able to do for a long well, period of time, right? Well, it's important, but I think it's not important for the reason people think it is. Oh, okay. You know, um, but yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of get to that in a second. But yeah, that was a good. Good question. I always point. segue you to the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> I'm good at segues. I'm just not, you know, good at landing them, I guess. But so, so what affects, well, first of all, I'm going to ask you a question, but then I'll answer it later. <clears throat> okay. It's like, how do you train your VO2 max? Like what kind of training would you do to improve your VO2 max? Like I, VO2 max intervals, like riding at VO2 max would be okay. my... Would be my guess. That's the only intuitive okay, guess I can come up with. That's Joe's guess. Let's okay. talk about things for a second, and then we'll come back to that question. Okay. okay. All right. Um, In fairness, I think that's what most people would say to that, right? Like, how do you improve well, something if you do it? Okay. All right. Stupid it's not, nuance. It's always not, ruining my fun. It's not, it's not completely the right answer, but okay, I'll take it. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that in a sec because that's that's a small part of it. Um, but so, what affects your VO two max or what will let me just say, what do you think would affect your vo2 max like what would make it so someone would have a higher vo2 max than somebody else okay well if we think that like vo2 max is is the amount of oxygen your body can use i would say maybe your lung capacity um would affect that maybe that's one of those genetic things we were talking about that affects how high your ceiling is and then the other component i'd imagine would be how often you're you're working your lungs, your respiratory system, right? How often you're exercising, the intensity you're exercising. I said what you're doing with the genetic potential that you have would be my answer to that. But that's also kind of a nothing answer. That's you know you're good at that. Yeah, I'm I'm good at nothing answers. That's that's how I got through school. But I I, I mean I don't know. Like that's no, what makes so, sense to me. So yeah, like like you would think lung capacity would be an enormous part of VO2 max. Yeah, usually. For most normal, healthy individuals, it's really not a factor. Really? Yeah, lung capacity is usually not not a limiting factor. Really? It is, and 
there's exceptions there, obviously, if you've got some type of a lung disease. Or in, so. in the absence of some yeah. medical problem. Or it's it can be an, 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 a limiter in extremely elite athletes in rare cases. Okay. But I guess that kind of makes sense because that would mean are, that like bigger people would have a higher VO2 max because their lungs are bigger, right? And that's not... Well, interesting. That's why... Remember we talked about how, how they measure VO2 maxes... Um, is millimeters per kilogram of body weight. That's why body weight is oh, taken into account because like... That makes like, sense. Like for me, you know, like um, I could be breathing in so many liters of oxygen right. per minute. And if a mouse was breathing in the same amount, right. like... That's why like Lucas Schwartzbauer and Luana Lecomte could have the same VO2 yeah, max, even though he's like Because he's got a lot more big. metabolic muscle and, and tissue and so which that, compensates for the fact that his lungs are a lot yeah. bigger oh, okay so that makes sense yeah so, so um, this is why i wouldn't have done well in med school it's one of the many reasons <laughs> it's like this yeah, stuff's so, complicated though yeah but you know like, there's super, so many different factors to consider but the, the the things that really really affect your like would would cause you to have a higher vo2 max is going to be more about like your stroke volume your cardiac output your your blood volume and then it starts going even down further into like how your the density of your capillaries that are delivering the oxygen to the muscles so this is interesting because you asked me what i thought would affect it and i immediately went to like your lungs you're this is all heart stuff you're it's talking mo- about yeah here. it's mostly like i guess that makes the, that's the oxygen the, the delivery, delivery system, right oh, yeah. okay and you know and and then take it even further you know the amount and health of your mitochondria is 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 a super important factor there too. Oh, interesting. So, so all those things, improving all those things is how you would improve your VO two max, right? Um, and and it's interesting because those things you can't really just kind of focus. You know what? I am going to focus on my capillaries today. Right. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, there's not a GCN video. That's like increase your stroke volume with this interval workout or something like that. Right. Yeah. Like those things, they kind of just improve together. Right. And, um, you know, what kind of training improves all those things? Any training I'd say like, kind of not even on the bike. Like, if you go and do cross country skiing or play basketball all the time, I'd imagine those any, I mean, anything that would make your heart healthier, which is basically any exercise, right? Well, basically any aerobic training is going to improve your VO two max. Okay. At any intensity, any aerobic training, any aerobic training. Okay. But these things that we, that list I just gave, what really, really improves those the best bang for the buck what is it, Joe? Zone two. Zone two. Oh my gosh! So this did end up being a zone two episode. I'm after sorry, all. I couldn't help did it. Did you just sneak it? So this was like a sneak attack zone two. You got people all complacent, thinking we were going to talk about something else, and then it was zone two. It's like in Scooby Doo where they pull off the mask at the end, and it's the old caretaker or something. Zone two is the old caretaker behind every Scooby Doo villain, huh? Yeah. That's probably too long to be the title, but um, dang it, Dan! I bet everybody just tuned out right there, huh? Well, for the three of you who are still listening, Dan. Yeah, so so any aerobic training, but I think especially zone two okay. training. But the the interesting thing is, you know, when you're you know when you're training that edge of the system, huge super benefits, right? But there's also 
awesome benefits of training that other edge of the system, which is your maximum aerobic output or VO2 max, as people are kind of calling it. Um, the combination of those is awesome. Because I was going to say, because I see pros all the time saying on their Instagram story, VO2 intervals today. Like when a coach puts VO2 intervals in, what's the intention? Because, because we kind of like, that was my guess is that that's what's going to improve your VO2 max. And that's kind of true. But like what, so what's the, the intentionality behind VO2 work? Well, there's, there's a few things. It's one, it's, you know, when you're doing like zone two type work, that increases the number of mitochondria that you have within your cells. Um, VO2 max actually will make them more robust and healthy and strong. Okay. So it's kind of like you get more and stronger if you combine the two. Um, you know, it's also in, in, it's a different signaling pathway that will make aerobic adaptations, but combined with the pathway that the zone two produces, you get like a greater effect. So huge, huge shout out to polarized training right here. Okay. Um, and like, so I, I mentioned earlier that like, you know, a good, a, a fairly crude but probably decent representation of of training at vo2 max is like is is near your max heart rate basically and okay. steven seiler has has basically kind of just you know he's kind of the father of polarized training and and when he prescribes polarized training he wants these workouts your hard workouts to be at basically 90 percent more than 90% of your VO2 max or your heart rate max. Um, and he's, they've, he's just kind of found that it, training at that intensity just elicits the best adaptations for the buck. Because oh, we talk about that a lot. Like, like going on a walk will improve your athletic performance, but you know, doing this might more. So like we're always talking about bang for the buck, right? So this is one of those things where it's like, anything will help, but this will help the most for the amount of time. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and training at this level, you know, training at 90% of your maximum aerobic capacity is extremely uncomfortable. It's extremely painful. Um, you know, like a, like a three minute effort, I think is harder than a 10 minute effort because, you know, it's, you're just, you're, you know, you're going to be accumulating more lactate at that point. Yeah. It's going to be extremely uncomfortable, right? but very beneficial. Right. Well, this is kind of what we were talking about before with like cross country racing versus um, like point to point is like, I think it would be counterintuitive for a lot of like non-athletic people to hear that a three minute effort's harder than a 10 minute effort, but it kind of is, you know, like I'd rather do in like a 30 second efforts. Those are really, really, even though it's over in 30 seconds, like, well, I think 30 second ones are fine because you can really you can manage that for 30 seconds. But, okay. but I think the VO2 max intervals are the hardest because just like that perfect intersection of like, you know, yeah, kind of the worst of both worlds. Yeah, they're just just you know, long enough that they won't pass all that quickly, but almost as painful as a 30 second effort. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, this is just another I mean, I've kind of done shout outs for zone two and shout outs for polarized training today because. I, they're they're the Scooby Doo villain, huh? Yeah, yeah. I like that analogy. I think that's funny. That's a good analogy. That's a good one, right? You know. So let's. We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but how important is having a high VO two max? 
I think I, I, that's got to be pretty important, though, right? Like, you know, I, I, I'd imagine that it's like, because I was going to say, if you had to choose, it would be better to have a high zone, too. But like, these are things that come together. You're not really choosing one of the other, right? Like, like, it's like you said, but like, I'd imagine that training kind of lifts all the boats at the same time, right? Would be my guess. But now I'm unsure because I've been wrong like four times this episode. <laughs> Well, and like like I said earlier, having a high VO two max can can be a sign of potential. Okay. Um, but like we said, it's not sustainable power. So so someone with a really high VO two max could, could be really really good at three to five minute efforts. Okay. Um, but they might not be good at you know riding for an hour at their FTP and so forth. So so really, what's what's the most important and what we really should focus on in our training is is that sustainable power like our FTP and so forth? Cause that's really, I botched my answer to that question, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, that, yeah, that's really a better predictor of performance, but okay. like we said before, you kind of have to have a high VO two max to have a high FTP. Um, Cause none of these things happen in isolation. Right. And, and let me point out too, that when we're doing, and, and like I say, we really shouldn't call them VO two max intervals cause they may or may not be They're more, it's almost more accurate just to call them three minute steady intervals or five minute, right. interval, you know, I like maximum aerobic capacity. Yeah. I like that. That makes more sense. Kind of does make more sense. The reason we do those intervals isn't necessarily to raise our VO two max, because what really is raising that is all of the aerobic work that we're doing, you know, just riding your bike a lot, you know, check the Strava kind of stuff. Um, you know, the reason we're doing these is, it's just providing additional signaling for our bodies to improve all of our aerobic systems. And that compounds with the, the signals that the zone two work sends and it makes us an all around faster athlete. But, um, what another huge advantage of doing these types of intervals is specificity, right? You know, okay. we talked about specificity before it's, not the only thing, but it is an important consideration. And um, for the type of racing we do, being really strong at two, three, five-minute efforts can really improve your race performance. Oh, yeah. Now, I mean, this is super relevant for, like, short-form cross-country, for cyclocross. That's in, it for... in Utah, especially. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, like, the cross-country racing in Utah is, like being really, really strong at three to eight minute efforts yeah. is going to make you a much better racer. Okay. And, you know, so one, um, one thing too, to kind of point out about VO two max that I thought was really interesting is although it's not necessarily the greatest predictor of athletic performance, one thing it is a good predictor of it's a predictor of your overall health and it's, oh, okay. yeah. And also it presents lower risk for morbidity and mortality. Oh, just like generally. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, um, Cause like heart disease is like the number one thing that kills Americans, right? Well, you know, I kind of look at it this way, you know, like, you know, when you, when you're 90, you want to be able to walk up and down the stairs. Right. Right. Yeah. And if your VO two max at that point gets so low, people can barely get out of bed when it gets super, super low. So, right. Um, hmm. another shout out to just being lifelong athletes, you know, just yeah. 
it's it's something that that does take a lot of time to train and improve it can detrain relatively quickly um but being a lifetime athlete is going to help help maintain a healthy vo2 max throughout your life so because i always say that like age is just a number in cycling because you and we say like go to an i-cup sometime or go to a usac race like one of the most competitive categories is like the 50 plus you know, and I, I always say that, like, you probably see some people out on the street who are in their 50s or 60s and are, like, using walkers and, like, you know, like, and then you see some of these cycling athletes who are, like, 70 and doing point-to-point, you know. So it's all very, it's all, like, that's really in your control. You know, that's one of those cool things that, like, cycling's fun and it's good to get outside and stuff, but, like, this is one of those huge macro benefits is that you can, you know, like, I was actually talking to my wife about this where it's, like, they can keep people alive for so long these days, but I'm like, I don't know if I'd like to have 30 years of life where I can't really do anything. Like if I'm going to be alive, I want to be able to do stuff, you to know, keep, to be kicking butt. Yeah. So yeah, I think it was another episode that came down to uh, zone two riding more polarizing, you know, when it's We're time bad to go content hard. Creators. <laughs> yeah. This is go a... really hard when, you know, so yeah. um, I guess uh, just ride your bikes more, you know, and just yeah. distribute your intensity and yeah. And you'll get faster. Yeah. Preach. Preach. Is there a, a, a secret word you want to throw out today? Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo is the secret word. <laughs> Rot, <Rot-ro. laughs> We'll talk to you next week, guys.